Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mao Speaks podcast, where we speak with entrepreneurs and learn their strategies for success. My name is Eric Turnison, and I'm joined by my colleague, Matt Brown. And today we're joined by Seth Rosen, who is an expert in turning underperforming websites into profitable businesses. In 2009, he purchased Custom Made, an online jewelry business where anyone can order completely custom jewelry. With a $30 million investment from Google Ventures and other top-tier venture capitalists, he grew that business into a large marketplace for jewelry makers. Since then, he's repurchased the business and has grown it to what is today the world's largest online custom jeweler. In addition to running the day-to-day operations of custom-made, Seth and his wife also operate two membership businesses. One is the world's largest gemology education website, the International Gem Society, and the other is the Ganoxin Project, which is a technical resource website for jewelry makers. So welcome, Seth, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I know I just went into a little bit of your background, but just to to kick things off here, do you mind sharing just a little bit about your current focus, what you're what you're currently working on right now? Um, sure. Uh, so I really have uh, three three businesses that I work on, as you mentioned in your introduction. So one is custommade.com, which is the world's largest online custom jeweler. Uh, we uh, we are a bit unique in that everything we make, mostly uh, engagement rings, but we make a whole array of jewelry. Everything we make is one-off, one-of-a-kind, and it's unique. Uh, we make something new every time for every customer. So that's that's kind of what's cool about custom-made. Um, and then uh, my wife and I, probably of more interest to this audience, uh operate two member mouse enabled uh, membership businesses. One is gemsociety.org, the International Gem Society, which is a community of people interested in gems and gemology and an educational website for anybody who's looking to buy a gem or anything that has to do with gems. And uh, we bought that business in 2013. Um, uh, and added member mouse to it and and turned it around and then uh, the Ganoxin project uh, is a community of uh, and a t- technical resource website for jewelers jewelry manufacturers uh, people engaged in, in uh, the business of of fine jewelry repair and fabrication so um, that is also a membership business so uh, three businesses some for, for somehow all kind of related to the jewelry space. Um, and uh, that's that's what we spend our, our days on. And each one of them, uh, it sounds like you you purchased or acquired at a certain point, and then you worked on bringing it to the place it is now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, some some people um, love starting things from scratch. Uh, I I like the process of finding something that. It's kind of been hanging around for a while or somebody's lost interest in it or uh, or I really see an opportunity where other people may uh, lack the vision or time or interest in, uh, in pursuing it. And uh, I, I prefer to start from uh, from some sort of foundation. So, yeah, I, um, all three of those businesses were started as an old website that folks weren't paying that much attention to. Now, uh, based on that, there's there's two directions in my mind that I'm, I'm interested in hearing your response to. And the first one is kind of the related to the subject of this conversation, which is, you know, 
it seems like through those processes, at least from the first to the second to the third, you've probably fine-tuned, honed some things. Maybe the first time you did something with the first business, and now when you're doing the third one, you're a little bit more seasoned. Now, when you're approaching these things, what experience are you falling on? What, how are you guiding yourself to say, okay, I'm starting with this thing, and now here's where I want to go, and how do you know where to start? There must be so much stuff to do right from day one. Yeah, I mean... I've sort of learned a bit about what works and and what doesn't, and I try to I try to be pretty careful about prioritizing. Um, and I learned a lot by uh, purchasing custom made in in two thousand nine and turning it into its init, its initial iteration was a subscription business. So I, I kind of learned a lot about um, what what works and what doesn't and. I, I tend to fall back on a lot of those core, uh, a lot of those core strategies because they really haven't changed that much. So, what is one of the main strategies, if if that's an appropriate question? Yeah, so I mean, it's all pretty basic. I try to find niche. Uh, so, I I tend to like evergreen niche businesses. So, here's what I mean by that: uh, content oriented businesses where. Uh, the nature and character of the content doesn't tend to change that much over time. Uh, so gems is a perfect example of that, right? The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the science of a gem, it, it, there, there are obviously new things happening all the time, but um, you know, it's, it's essentially geology and it's a subset of geology. So um, it hasn't really changed that much. The science is the science. Likewise uh, with, some of the techniques involved in jewelry manufacture and jewelry repair, uh, some of the best things you can learn are actually the things that people have been doing for a very long time and, and the way that they've been doing it. Um, uh, so I, I tend to default back to uh, niches that are underserved uh, where I think people, where, where other people may think interest is waning and where I think there will always be interest, right? I don't think gems will go away as an interest area. I don't think uh, jewelry repair is going to go away as an interest area. Um, but for whatever reason, those niches, when I got into them, were not, uh, you know, were not being invested in particularly heavily. Um, so uh, there's no magic to what I do. I, I try to find things that uh, are interesting to me and also interesting to customers. And then I try to develop the very best content and offering that's available and I, I focus pretty hard on being the best resource. And I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned that there's no magic in it, but it's something you said, um, it kind of dovetails into, uh, you know, what Matt and I talked about last week in, in our uh, call of this nature, <clears throat> is that an important ingredient is that you do have the interest because, you know, possibly, you know, the reason why the people that you acquired it from or whatever it was the the interest wasn't being lost because of the market. It was being lost because the the people who were running it didn't have enough of an innate interest in the subject matter to really have the conversations they needed to to discover where the opportunity was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that's part of it. I also think um, you know this stuff takes time. You know, you're not going to create a website and install member mouse and in a month, like you're, you're immediately generating lots of revenue and you're quitting your job. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. Right. I I think that the the path to the promised land is, 
paved with broken glass and you have to walk it barefoot. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, something you told me uh, once is kind of resonates with me because uh, like, you know, you said uh, there's a subset of your customers that installs member mouse and, and just doesn't stick with it for whatever reason, you know, maybe they pay for a few months and then, um, you know, and then they disappear. Right. And that's not to say all of those people would succeed if they persisted, but I can tell you from my own experience, um, it's, it's a lot of patience and, uh, and grit is required to get something off the ground. Um, so, so that would definitely be a, a piece of advice, I think, for your listeners is, you know, uh, if you have something that customers really want and it's actually better than other stuff that's out there, um, you got to keep working on it until you get to but, work. And, and what are the tools that you found? Because, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, the, the path to the promised land is is not always smooth. And sometimes it's not only not smooth, but it cuts your feet. And I think uh, I've been through that same experience. You've been through that experience. Pretty much everybody I've talked to who gets to a point where they have success has been through that. And what is the strategy that you have? So the days when you come in and, or, and it could last months, you know, it could be periods of time that are challenging. How do you, what techniques do you use with yourself to stay focused, to, to kind of push through those times and keep moving? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's changed a little bit over time for me. Like these days I kind of think about it. Like if you have some revenue, any revenue doesn't even matter. You have some revenue, you can make something happen, right? Now it can't be like five dollars a month, but like if you have a few hundred bucks a month, like just focus on going from a few hundred to five hundred, and, and get that to be consistent. And just keep, you know, I, I remind myself that um, you can't live and die by the updates, is what my brother always says. Right? Right. Like it, mm-hmm. You just have to keep working the problem, and that will work if what you're offering truly is um, valuable for the customer. I mean, it all starts and ends with, with customer value. Right. If you have a crappy offering, you know, that's not a problem that's going to be fixed with patients. Right. So offering, having a valuable offering is the foundational element. Step number one. I, I, I certainly think so. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Fads only last so long, you know. Because yeah, you can mark, you can have a bad offering and have good marketing, and you may get something for a while. But ultimately, scalability, uh, time, you know, the amount of time you'll be around, it will be discovered at some point that the offering isn't good. I I think so. Uh, other yeah. people, I, I've certainly seen people who've <laughs> who who seem to have a skill for um, making. Uh, soft offerings successful, but I've, I, I've never been good at, uh, at just selling the dream. <laughs> I just had to build reality, unfortunately. <laughs> now you, you mentioned, okay, if having amount of revenue is a good thing. So if you got three to 300 bucks come in, just focus on getting it to 500. Now, you know, uh, I don't think anybody would argue with you in terms of that, but if I'm, if I haven't had the benefit of experience, if I haven't, um, had a business where I've, I've gone from any number of revenue to another number of revenue. How, how does that even, how do you approach that? Like, how do you say, okay, I want to get from 300 to 500? Yeah. I mean, I think if, 
if you're focused in an area where I mean, presumably like customers have needs. So if you hone in on a customer need of any kind, even if there's lots of other people trying to fulfill the same customer need, um, I think it all starts there. So it's not, there's no one strategy for getting a product to market. But um, if you have an interest in the space, sort of what we, we agreed was somewhat of a prerequisite, uh, and the patience to keep working on the space, then all that's left is what customers are interested in and how you are uniquely positioned to provide that. And, and presumably if you have all of that, um, you can keep trying, even... You know, look, even if you, uh, even if you're in a space and you have to go the functional equivalent of door to door, right? Get a few friends to try it, get a few of their friends to try it. You know, it's, it's getting the initial ball rolling. That's particularly, particularly hard. Yeah, I I agree with you hundred percent. And that's one of the lessons that I learned through my journey. When I started, I must've spent a whole year just trying to build something to get to market. I didn't release anything. And, and, you know, now that I have the benefit of experience, if I could tell myself something then, and I would have, and myself back then would listen to me, you know, it'd be like, look, just get something out, whatever it is, get something out because you're always, you're never going to get it hundred percent correct. And you don't want to, because the whole idea is what you're creating is something that's a, it's a, it's a partnership between what you want to provide and what somebody wants to pay for. And so if you're going to remove feedback from the equation altogether, you're just thinking in a vacuum and you think, oh, I know what everybody wants, so I'm going to build that. Or even more naively, which is what I was thinking, I'm just going to build what I think is the right thing and I don't care what anybody else wants, you know, what what other people's opinion is. I know what they want, right? Another problem. So (laughs) exactly. So it's like, you know, get something out because – that dialogue of having people say, oh yeah, this is great, but it would be great if you had this, this, and that. And then do something with that, put it back out again, get the feedback again, do iterate, iterate, iterate. And then there you go. Something comes from that partnership. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to, not to be an ad for member mouse or anything, but that's kind of like, I mean, (laughs) the logistics of coordinating all the membership stuff required to run a membership business, you, you kind of don't really need to prototype that, right? I mean, you guys have been building that for a bunch of years. So right. plug in. I mean, it's, you know, that I like that because I can focus on, you know, right now I'm playing with a bunch of courses people might want to take about investing in gems, right? I'm, I'm working on that. You guys are figuring out how, uh, how I can click one button and one click upsell someone the course, right? I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> exactly. So again, you know, um, effective outsourcing, you know, f- be, give yourself the opportunity to focus on where you can bring your true value, which in this situation for you is, is going to be all about the content. What, what do these members actually want? You don't want to be bogged down in the implementation or the delivery mechanism. Um, but even you know what I said uh, last time too is, uh, people often get hung up on the technology question too early on, um, and have it be an excuse as to not get started. I think it's far better to start putting something out, even if you're doing it for free, 
and to get that, the feedback is far more valuable than the revenue to me. Like, totally agree with you. Yeah. And then, then naturally I found with Memory Mouse, like based the customers and the market tells the company when it needs to move to the next level. It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're having so many things going on in this area. We need a new process to handle this amount of volume we're getting. So then you go handle the process, not before. Yeah, the, the, there's basically like two stages of it. It's interesting you say that, right? So the, it's, I, I think of two analogies, right? If you've, if you've ever exercised before, exercise is one of those things that people are notorious. They start and they, go, they, they are persistent for a little while and then they give up because they don't see results because it takes just long enough to see results that that most people uh, give up before before the real results kick in, right? And I think business building is is a lot like that. You have to kind of be like, even though I'm not going to see results right away, I'm going to keep going until I have a very good idea of what works and what doesn't. Then that's going to change, and, you know. And, and then I think on the flip side of it, once you've done that and you've seen the results, it's a lot more like uh, I've been getting into gardening lately. So it's a lot more like uh, like planting, right? Like I'm doing a whole bunch of work this year. I'm not going to see any results until late next year, right? Now, that takes some time, right? Because you have to have some confidence. You have to have put forth some effort and seen some results before you're comfortable making an investment, knowing that you're going to get results next year, right? Like, so it's, right. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of, oh, yeah. that second part comes later. I think first you just kind of have to, um, you like, I'm just going to keep going until I see some, some sort of traction. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it is, it is interesting. I, I, it is interesting. I find, you know, the more, the more um, demystified the process, because when you're first starting anything and we're talking about business. So when you first start a business, everything's a question mark. You have no idea. You've decided you want to walk through a door, but whatever's beyond that door is all darkness. So all you can do is, you know, take take a step but you know over time as you learn you know things become to have a clarity based on experience and like you said when you're starting this third business you're still uh utilizing a lot of the lessons that you learned in the first one because the the lessons that are learned they're kind of they're not specific to any particular thing they're more um overarching they're and it's kind of like once you've done one thing you can do it again yeah, I mean, these are life lessons as much as they're business lessons. At least they have been for me. We have a bunch of people custom made. I, I sum it up for everybody in the same way, right? Like, what are my core values? And it's, I, I, it's the four P's, right? So patience, persistence, prudence. And I added a fourth P recently. It used to be the three P's. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and the fourth P is people. Now, can you explain the prudence one to me? Yeah, Um when I first got started, so this is 2000, 2009. I mean, I had a career before that, but, but my first entrepreneurial experience, right, was kind of 2009. And, um, uh, I believed I, I didn't even know about, right? I only knew about one P which was persistence. Uh, and right. fortunately what I lacked in charm and intelligence, I made up for with persistence, but, um, uh, you know, it, you have to be persistent, but you, you obviously also have to be prudent, like doing uh, something ineffective uh, very often right. doesn't uh, is not going to get you there. Right. So uh, you need that magic combination of uh, 
being patient, so allowing things to work, being persistent, meaning keep continuing to go even when you're getting mixed feedback, and then evaluating those activities prudently to see if like what you're doing, whether it's reasonable to believe that what you're doing will generate the results you want. Right. Because if you're persistently ineffective, then that's just going to lead to ineffectiveness. Yeah. It's like my, my, my <laughs> wife always tells my son, uh, you know, practice makes perfect. And I'm like, I, I don't like that phrase. Right. Like it's not tr- yeah. like practice increases the probability that that which you practice, you will repeat later. But if you practice the wrong thing, <laughs> you're going to do that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the people one is, was an interesting one for me too. Um, Cause you know, when I first started, I was like, I was the same persistence. I didn't have the patience, but persistence, <laughs> you know, and I thought I was building a, a software company, you know, and cause it was the, all the, all the focus was on the software. And then, you know, after many years and different things learned and the business asking to go to different places, I I realized, oh, what my job actually is, is to build a team. Um, Because ultimately it's the people involved who are providing the value. You know, yes, of course you, you deal with the thing on the surface, which is the software or our support, but people created those things. Yeah. I mean, people are the leverage of a business, you know, it's like, as a, as a business owner, you're really a, uh, a machine designer and a machine, uh, you know, a machine artist, right? You're, I mean, one person, no matter how smart you are, can only do so much stuff. So your people are your, are your leverage and their people are their leverage and those, be, right. And so like, it's really about building a culture, uh, a culture of excellence that filters down through all of those levels of an organization, whether you're a membership organization and all your people are remote or, a fortune 500 company. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, the people are, are everything. Right. There's just more parts maybe. And while you were talking about that, the vision that came into my head was, I don't know what they're called specifically, but those, those contraptions where you put a ball at the top and it rolls down and then it starts a fan going and it lights a match and the Rube Goldberg machines. Exactly. So you're basically designing one of those and you're constantly putting the ball through it and testing and refining. I love that. You started your journey or your entrepreneurial journey in 2009 when you bought Custom Made. Um, what was what was your day like in 2009? Like, what were the tasks that you were working on, um, and how is that different from almost 10 years later? Now, 2018, how has your role evolved? Like, what are the tasks you're involved with? Like, what are you working on now compared to back then? And if there were distinct stages you had to work through to get to where you are now, what were those? Does that make sense? Yeah, actually, I think it's yeah, it's a fabulous question. No, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. I guess the best way to think about it is um, I do much, much less now. Um, and I know how to do, ironically, uh, much less. I, I, I like to joke that I've gotten dumber in my old age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I first started, I did a lot of stuff, right? I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, it was, I was very busy. Uh, I am far less busy now. Like I don't spend my days um, doing a lot of stuff. In fact, I actually find it hard to do stuff now because I spend most of my time trying to figure out 
what needs to get done, why, and in what order. Uh, and then uh, what resources are required to get it done, human resources, financial resources, uh, time, right? And I try to put all that together into a cohesive plan that I think is uh, has a, a high probability of being successful. Uh, then I try to quantify what success looks like and, and make it happen. So that that's, I, I would say I spend 90% of my day doing that. Now. Yeah. Um, and I would say the opposite was true 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I spent 90% of my day doing some stuff. Uh, and, and obviously time and experience helps, right? Because you, you start to, if you're reasonably intelligent, you start to see patterns, right? Ah, I've tried that a couple of times and, you know, it's not working. So clearly I need to try something else. You know, it's you're trying on a lot of hats as a, as a company builder and as a manager. And, you know, one thing I would encourage uh, member mouse users, um, you know, is, is not to think of themselves as website uh, people or content people, right? These are, these are company builders. It doesn't matter if it's a $300 a month enterprise or a $300,000 a month enterprise or $3 million a month enterprise, whatever it is, like, um, you're a company builder and that's, that is a type of person. It's a, it's a whole mess of skills and, uh, it's going to take a long time, uh, to perfect that journey. And, and that's what makes it really cool, right? I mean, being a company builder is it's hard, but it's really fun. It's really fulfilling. And, and you will make progress like you do. Like it is. And what was sort of your learning process like? Like when did you, when you're doing everything, you're 2009, 2010, you're working on a bunch of stuff, you're trying a bunch of different stuff. Like what was the thing that kind of shifted your level of awareness up to say, okay, I either need to hire someone to do this or I need to create a better system um, to get these sorts of things done? What was like the, what was there a moment or was there an insight that you had that, that got you there? Uh, there's no one moment. And it's interesting. I, I, I often thought that probably for the first five years of this journey, like that there's going to be one thing, like you're going to get a lucky break or there's going to be right. Like you're, there's going to be an epiphany of some kind and like, like you're, there, you're, there's no epiphanies. Okay. It's like, the good news is that no one meeting, no one customer, no one bad event is uh, is is existent. Like there's is, is uh, game changing to a degree that you know it's like this is the meeting of a lifetime. Like actually, it isn't really right. If it goes well, it could be great. If it doesn't go well, it'll still be fine. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it, 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 and. Right. You know, that attitude came about after seeing like, I'm like, holy crap, like if I don't make this happen, uh, we got a big problem. It's like, well, I didn't make it happen and we did have a big problem, but I fixed it. That's been a similar experience for me, you know, exactly what you're saying. I mean, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, as as we continue to do these calls, if this is just like you and I just happen to be very similar or if this is just there's some uh blueprint or pattern that people who, who build businesses like we do company builders that they go through and it's just a similar journey. I mean I got a lot of friends that own a lot of different types of companies and uh, 
they would all say the same thing. <laughs> so either that's an amazing coincidence or, um, I mean, obviously there's selection bias, right? A lot of people try to do this and, uh, and they can't do it or they don't want to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, um, a lot of people realize, holy crap, it's, uh, it's a lot harder to do this than I expected. And I'm not willing to put forth, uh, the time and the effort to just keep going. It's tiring. And I just, I understand that. Well, I, I think um, what I've come to perceive it as is that, you know, the company building process was actually, it was the chosen form of personal evolution. And I think the reason why it can be hard and the reason why uh, there's so many times when you may want to drop out is because the things that it's asking you to do are actually testing you personally. And so it's like, it's like, okay, what's the difference between the guy who uh, does 20 uh, sit-ups and feels the burn and can push through that and the one who, 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 who stops at that point? It's a mental, and whatever the difference is, is the mental game, is what's going on in the mind and how are you going to perceive that obstacle and how are you going to coach yourself to move through it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I think that, uh, it really is. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't have put it better. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. I mean, what, what when we started custom made? I mean, I went to computer camp for two years, right? I'm a non-technical founder of what I was pitching as a software-enabled global platform, funded by a company like Google, which I, I think of all the companies in the valley and possibly in the whole goddamn world is as technical and technically focused an enterprise as one could get, right? I'm a, I'm a non-technical founder with a non-technical co-founder at the time, right? I mean, it is unheard of for someone like that. And I just didn't, um, uh, I just didn't really care. <laughs> not, not because I'm some visionary, but I was just too dumb to realize that, uh, that that was an obstacle. You know, and that's actually an interesting um, snippet because I find that ignorance was a very useful tool in the beginning because I think um, it, it's the kind of like audacity to try, right? Because if you feel like you know what the result is going to be, then you're going to talk yourself out of it. But if and uh, but if you don't have a mind to know one way or the other, you just like, well, you know, I might as well do this because. I'm interested and, you know, it's right here. So I'll try it. Yeah. I mean, and especially if you have some humility and you can digest the feedback the world is giving you without, uh, without assigning some level of, of uh, without making it so personal, um, yeah. then you know, you can improve. I mean, a lot of people, like, it's it's hard to take feedback and internalize it. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the hardest things that uh, that I've had to grow and, and work with throughout Member Mouse um, because it's, it's such a personal, uh, at least for Member Mouse, it was such a personal thing that I was delivering. Like, I was writing the code. I was putting these finishing touches on something. Like, I would ima- you could imagine, like, I'm a painter and I'm really enjoying the process and I'm looking at the painting like this is great and then you show it to somebody and they're like 
uh, yeah, but it doesn't do this. And, you know, my mind, the first reaction is, well, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Um, and, and it was like, it was years of just having to do, having to work with that aspect of myself. So it was like really a trial by fire, you know, that learning that lesson to just, you know, be able to put things out and take the feedback that comes and incorporate it. But also I, I kind of went in a time where I went to the opposite spectrum where it's like, oh, I need to listen right, to everything, right. you know, and I, I just need to please people. So it took me a while to come back to center and be like, no, actually my job is to be, to have that prudence, to have that discernment. Okay. Like what is a valid thing in the context of everything else that, you know, we're keeping our eye on in the business and what is just a pet thing for this particular person? Yeah. And also like, you know, one of the things I, I noticed in talking to you too, right. As, as think about member mouse, of course, it's a subscription business. So it's like, you know, it's, it really, how do you define your value, right? And I think at the beginning, maybe you defined your value as a software business. But when you start thinking about, like, for just me, for example, right? Like, you have, in many ways, your software has enabled my entrepreneurial experience, right? Like, my kid's college savings plan will be funded uh, in large part because of a piece of software and a business that you can see, right? I mean, that's, it can't just be about the money. You know, if you're just going to membership website because right. you want to get membership fees, like you're not, maybe there's people who can make it work like that, but you, you have to actually really believe that you add value and, and care about adding value to the people you work with, the people you sell to, like that, that matters. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I also don't think that it can be, that it can be a, val- a viable option to just be about the money. Cause it's kind of like, the patience aspect yes. is too much. You're not going to get the money in a short enough period of time where if that's your motivating factor, you're stick around. And that's <clears throat> one of the primary reasons <clears throat> why a lot of people drop out because that is the motivating factor. And that motivating factor just doesn't yes. carry. And, and you're never going to, I mean, you're never, those people will always be there. You know, there's every, there's so sure. many people who are like, I, I love when I'm out and like, was like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, we're talking about some idea. Like I had that idea like three years ago. It's like okay, you know, <laughs> I should have done something. It's like okay, well, were you you going to do the three years of, of pain that that guy went through to figure out a way to make it happen? And the, the twenty other people who tried to do some iteration of the same thing who didn't succeed, you know? It, uh, yeah. But yeah, the grass is always greener, I guess. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, since since the discussion began, I've come up with like a thousand more questions. I feel like we've kind of just started all the, the things that we could potentially talk about. Yeah, and I'm of the same opinion. I mean, I think that there's a ton of directions we can go in, but uh, we'll save that for future things. But um, I think that there's, there's definitely been tons of stuff in this conversation that have been helpful to me. So I, I certainly... Appreciate you joining us, Seth, and, and sharing and um, sharing your experience. It's been great. No worries. Thanks for uh, putting together some kick-ass software that's uh, made me some money. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs>